This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. That wants women to stay in these small, tiny boxes where we're just quiet and pretty and we don't make too much noise and we don't disrupt too much, that we start to learn that we can't trust our body. So much power in creating a vision for yourself, in having an idea of what you want to feel in your life and what things light you up. Let's take a breath. <sighs> hey guys, I'm Cindy Litwako and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Sydney, and I'm so happy you're here. Welcome. If you are new, welcome back. If you are a regular listener, I love you all either way. Um, But today is going to be an amazing, incredible episode as I hope that they all are. But this one really touched me, this conversation that I had with Erin. She is a life coach. She specializes in helping women feel the best in their bodies, which whether you've dealt with disordered eating or negative body image or any capacity of that, um, I think this one will connect with everyone. And she made me realize just how much negativity is around the mindsets that mostly, I will say, firsthand women have around their bodies. And I know men have their own um, hangups on it as well. But I think we all in some way go through this idea of feeling badly about how we look or just having those negative feelings in general around not feeling like enough or not feeling like you're where you want to be yet. And for a lot of people, that turns into a long period of time where you have those thoughts, a long period of time where you're working against that negative mindset. And I can attest to that as well. I've definitely experienced that. And I still, even with a lot of the work that I've done, still feel that on some days when I'm just not my best self or maybe I'm getting into negative self-talk and I can immediately revert back to that judgment. So I totally get you. I see you. I feel you. Um, We're going to get to all of that on this episode. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to Erin. Before we get to that, I wanted to check in with you guys. Um, Last night was the Bachelorette premiere with Katie. And as usual, there's tons of things happening in the Bachelor franchise. And again, it's off screen. Um, As the show was airing or at some points, they announced that Chris Harrison will no longer be returning back to the franchise. And I know that a lot of people have strong opinions on this matter. What I will say is I'm a little sad to see him go because... I didn't watch the show necessarily from the beginning, um, but Chris is just what you think about when you see The Bachelor. And from knowing him personally, from being on the show, I loved him. He was a really down-to-earth guy. I mean, for for how long he had been on the franchise and how long he had been part of this television show, he was so easy to talk to. He just felt like a cool dad, if that makes sense. Like just a cool dad that you can have a conversation with, maybe have a beer with and just hang out and shoot the shit. So that's kind of what Chris was to me. Besides all the things that happened with uh, the conversation that led to this either removal or his choice to leave, no one has really said. um, I'm sure it's a combination of two things or multiple things. I will say besides all of the (laughs) thoughts and feelings around it, I'm sad to see him go. But watching last night's show, I... I'm a big fan of Caitlin Bristow and I'm good friends with Tasha. And it was really great to see this female dynamic lead a show like The Bachelor. And I think with any change, people are going to have strong opinions or it's going to be an adjustment. But I just loved the dynamic, at least between Caitlin, Katie, and Tasha, and just getting to see how they can support her because they have been through it. I like to see that. And I think it's going to open the door for a lot of uh, more in-depth conversations than Chris would be able to have because he hasn't lived through the same experiences that the lead has. He has in his own ways from being a part of the show, but not so much uh, firsthand as far as emotions go. So I think that will make for an interesting dynamic. As far as last night's premiere, 
I feel like I was a little underwhelmed, but I maybe I feel like that every first night. It's hard because you're just getting a bunch of limo entrances. Excuse my dog. You're just getting a bunch of limo entrances one after the other and people you don't know yet. You haven't connected to them yet. So it's just kind of like, okay, another guy, another guy. Hey, what's up? Um, So I didn't have like any huge takeaways from last night. I was shocked to see the lead get so attached to a character in a costume. That's usually not the case. Usually the person in the costume goes home night one or just like a funny joke for everyone and then that's it. But she really hit it off with a kitty cat. So um, that's interesting. Just goes to show that Katie has a different personality than what we might have seen on the show before. I think we all can see that the main theme of the season is that Katie is sex positive. So I think there will be a lot of talks on sex and being very open about it. And I think the storyline of the one guy that's a virgin and how he's kind of struggling with this openly somewhat promiscuous show because of the fantasy suites and all the things that are involved and all the kissing and all that. And Katie's obviously um, very open to doing those things on TV, which is great. Um, So I think that's going to be a huge storyline. And I'm actually interested to see what the ratings were for Monday nights um, because it didn't seem like a heavy hitter as far as the season goes. Um, And with Chris gone, I don't know if people um, actually didn't end up watching. So I kind of got did some polls on my Instagram story. And I felt like in general, from looking at that, people were watching and were still excited. It was kind of a mixed bag, but generally it was positive, which I've tried to create that dynamic with my uh, with the people who follow me on Instagram. So maybe that has something to do with it. But as far as the people that answered, it seemed to be they were still in support of the show and watching it and all that. So we will see. Um, I'll continue to give opinions if you guys want those. And just as the show goes on or if anything crazy happens in Bachelor Nation, which it always seems to do, I will definitely check in on that. But as far as last night goes, that's my thoughts. I hope that at least with this, we get some positive things to come out of it. I will say one more thing on the host leaving that I feel like now they need to very much solidify who the new host is going to be because I've heard with who they're choosing to lead Bachelor in Paradise. It's kind of like a bunch of different people. David Spade, who I love, was one of the people they announced, which is great, but it seems to be like not just him, it's other people. So I think it just feels like a little unled right now because we have like Taisha and Caitlin right now. And then eventually it's going to be David Spade and some other people. I've heard Wells. I've heard uh, Sarah Highland as well helping lead the show. So it should be an interesting um, experience. I'm sure that show is kind of scrambling to figure out what direction they want to take it. This is the first time in all of the franchise existence that they've had to deal with something like this. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, whether I'm trying to talk about it or not, there's always something going on with Bachelor Nation. I wanted to touch on that because that just happened um, today. As far as this episode, guys, I think that this is such a huge conversation that Erin and I have. I love the way that she's so open to talking about really kind of tough things and how she's able to create a space for women to feel their best, to strive to be their best. And I love this point she makes in the episode of creating a vision for your life. And I I completely agree with this. I think no matter where you are in life, whether that's where you want to be or not, I think that we all should have somewhat of a vision for ourselves. And that can be something that we've been very specific on that we are working towards, or that can just be very vague and you're just working towards the way you want your life to feel. And I think for me, it's more of a feeling thing. I know certain goals that I have, but I mostly want to feel a certain way in my life. And I think for me, if I'm to sum it up, it's to live a life that um, has a lot of laughter, a lot of joy, um, one that I continue to push myself to grow and to better who I am and what I'm doing while also lifting up others along the way. So that's a huge part of why I am podcasting. It's a huge part of why I'm trying to create this community of people like you guys listening who are going to share with me. I've always wanted to feel like I did everything I could to help someone else, whether that's just one person or whether that's everyone listening to this episode that I want to help you in some way feel your best to help you create a vision for yourself through our conversations and through this community. So if that is something you want, stay along for the ride because that is the direction we are going. 
also, we officially are signed on with Podcast Nation. I am so happy to be a part of that family. Um, many of the other Bachelor alumni are part of the family who have podcasts like Blake Quartzman and Wells. So a lot of familiar faces plus some other amazing people. Please enjoy this episode with Aaron. Share it with anyone that you can. Again, I'm trying to get this message to everyone that needs to hear it. So if you know someone or if you want to tag us on social media at Something to Share Podcast, please do. Without further ado, here is Aaron. Yay. Well, I'm so happy to be sitting down with you, Aaron. So first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I love the concept of this podcast. I have to say I've done quite a few podcasts over the years and I've never had, I've never had the question that you sent me, sent to me. Oh, good. I like to, (laughs) I like to try and be different because I know we're a little saturated in this field, but got to stand out somehow, you know? Um, But before we jump into all of that, can you just tell me like who you are, kind of introduce yourself to my audience and just what you do for your work? Yeah. I feel like I am the luckiest human in the type of work that I get to do. I'm a health coach and the founder of a company called Raw Beauty Co. And what I absolutely love to do that lights me up is helping women really come home to their unique body and to feel their absolute best in that body, no matter what shape that is, no matter what size that is. Um, I love to help women really reconnect with themselves to uncover what it is that lights them up, what foods nourish them, what activities nourish them, what relationships nourish them. I feel like I get to kind of be a judge on America's Got Talent or one of those shows where you get to see somebody blossoming and coming out of their shell as they uncover their skills and their talents and really learn how to take care of themselves. Um, and I get to walk beside women as they do that, as they sort of understand their strength and their power and, you know, who they are in this world and how, how to help them show up in, in the brightest way possible. Well, that sounds like a lovely job. <laughs> it's the best job ever. Oh my that God. And I get to amazing. work with so many amazing women. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. Yes. You kind of get to see people at their peak transformation, getting to see the before, the during, and the after. So I love that you guide women on doing that. So how, being a wellness coach, how do you go about those transformations? I'm sure everyone's kind of unique for what each person needs, but what is your process as yeah. a health coach? Well, as you said, everybody is really unique. And I think in the world of health and wellness, there are a lot of sort of prescriptive methods Mm -hmm. that people offer, whether it's like do this diet or eat this way or exercise in, in this way. And so much of it is based on getting our bodies to look a certain way. When you really think about what health means to you, a lot of women would respond back saying that it's being a certain weight or it's looking in the mirror and feeling confident in themselves. It's having that six pack or that like booty that's lifted. So much of what we relate to our health is the way that we look. Mm -hmm. And I think that this does us a huge disservice as women because it really disconnects us from how we feel in our body how we experience our body. And it takes a lot of the joy out of things like eating and moving our bodies. And these are things that could be um, really nourishing, beautiful parts of our life. And all of a sudden they become almost a chore or restrictive or really challenging, or there's so much shame tied up in them. So the majority of women that I work with are women who are struggling in their relationship with food in their body. Mm. They've either been in a cycle of dieting and then falling off the diet and feeling shameful about that, or they feel like they're always having to think about what they're going to eat. And it just feels like it's taking up so much mental capacity in their, mm-hmm. in their brain. And they're at a point where they're just exhausted from it where they're like, this doesn't feel like health and wellness. This <laughs> feels like a trap. This feels like it's all encompassing. I don't know how to get out of this. 
you know, the reason I'm so passionate about working with women who are in this space is because I personally spent so much time there and I know how much it sucks out of our life, how much it sucks away our joy, how much it distracts us from really leaning into the things that we know facilitate happiness and wellness. Mm -hmm. Things like leaning into our purpose, things like connecting with friends, things like being able to be in the moment Mm -hmm. and not feeling like you need to escape your body. You know, all the work that I do is different than what we see in a lot of health and wellness plans. When I work with clients, we don't talk about your weight. You will never do a weigh-in with me. I don't give you a very specific set meal plan that you have to follow. Mm. We go back to the basics of our bodies and take a much more intuitive approach to eating. Um, yes, there are guidelines involved and there's a framework that I use to support women and from getting to this place where, um, you know, the relationship with food feels really broken. Their relationship with their body feels really broken back to a place where they feel connected, where they feel like they know how to nourish themselves. They know what steps to take when they're in that low space to pull themselves out of it. And that's going to look different for every single human being. It's a journey that is different for every single woman, but there Mm -hmm. is definitely a framework and a system that I've found that works, works for myself and continues to work for myself. And also now has supported I am proud to say hundreds of women in really reconnecting back to their own body and their own wellness in a way that is far more expansive than, you know, just the number on the scale mm-hmm. or how much yeah. they weigh or their gene size. I stopped weighing myself years ago and it's just taken yes. like, such a lift off of my life because <laughs> I know so many women and I'm sure men as well have gone through these same experiences of being so focused on an end goal or something that seems to be healthy or something that you're striving for. And it letting it control every part of you where, like you said, your mind is constantly focused on it. You're not present. You're not in your body, but you're because you're f- constantly focusing on your body, which that's, is such an interesting thought, but it can take over everything. So I'm wondering then for you as well, you talked about this idea of intuition. And I feel like especially if you are struggling with this or if you have struggled with this, I think intuition can be really hard to harness because you don't really know what it is anymore. You kind of lose sight of that. So just getting back to people's intuition, like how do you go about that with your clients? Such a great question. And this idea of intuition can be really confusing to a lot of people because they're like, if I were to allow myself to just eat intuitively, I would eat chocolate Mm -hmm. cake, chips, cookies, all the things. Like I don't trust my body at all at this point to know what it needs. And the reality is that if you've had a disjointed relationship with food in your body for an extended period of time, you won't be able to hear those intuitive signals. So, okay, let's just back this up for a second. First of all, what's important to know about intuitive eating is that every single person on the planet can do Mm -hmm. it. We were all born intuitive eaters. When you think about a baby or a small child, and if there's any moms who are listening to this right now, um, you know that your kid knows when they're hungry, when they're not, what they like, what they don't. Some days they'll eat more. It's like they're stockpiling like a little camel. And then other days they just don't seem interested in food at Mm -hmm. all. They eat and then they use the energy from that food to go out and play and communicate and learn and live their life. They don't, after eating, feel a whole bunch of guilt and shame and overanalyze. Was that too many macros or so many calories? Am I going to be able to fit in my pants tomorrow? No. If they grow or their bodies change, they're so proud of that. And they recognize that that's part of life. So we all are born with this mindset around food. And it's only through our lived experiences And the culture that we live in that is so afraid of fat, that is so afraid of growth, that wants women to stay in these small, tiny boxes where we're just quiet and pretty and we don't make too much noise and we don't disrupt too much, that we start to learn that we can't trust our body, that our appetite is something to be feared, that we need to follow these guidelines and we can only eat between 11 and 6 p.m., because God forbid we eat beyond that, our body might get bigger. Or that like a croissant is the most evil food around and that that is just like a shameful thing to enjoy. I literally had a croissant pasta. yesterday, so <laughs> it's not. <laughs> right. Nothing shameful about it, right? No. 
But we have these experiences that we learn from parents or teachers or that random kid at school who said something Mm -hmm. through all the images that we see in media, the messages that we receive from the beauty industry. And we receive thousands and thousands of these messages to the point that it becomes so ingrained in us that this is just what we should do and how we should be. Mm -hmm. And that if we don't fit within those guidelines, that we are not worthy. We are not lovable. We are not acceptable in this society. Well, let me tell you, we are hardwired as human beings to want to be accepted, to want to belong Mm -hmm. because we had to be accepted into communities way back in the days in order to survive. If we as cave people like weren't allowed in the cave, then we were in big trouble. So even now today, it's like, we want to fit in. When we see these perfect images on social media, we feel a deep subconscious fear when we don't look like that, that we are not enough Mm. and that we don't belong. So we do all the things to try to belong. We filter, we diet, we exercise to change our body. We get implants, we cut our bodies open and literally pump ourselves full of like plastics and things in order to change our body. And this isn't to shame anybody Mm -hmm. who's done this. I swear once a week, I'm like, I am getting my boots on. <laughs> but we do, I just, I'm like, I also want to point out that we do all of these things, right? In hopes of being acceptable and hopes of increasing our value. Mm. And the reality of all of these things is that it further disconnects us from our true self, mm. from happiness. I know for me, I spent years dieting, counting calories, obsessing thinking about the plastic surgeries I would get, getting down to that goal weight, feeling like that goal weight wasn't enough, getting to the next weight, not still not enough, got to keep going, Mm -hmm. getting to the point where I was like, okay, I actually feel like I don't look my best now. But at that point, my brain had literally been hijacked by this eating disorder Mm -hmm. and I couldn't Mm -hmm. stop to the point where I was hospitalized for three months in between grade 11 and 12 in an inpatient program being refed, like learning how to eat again, the number of eating disorders and and disordered eating patterns that we're seeing in women are just growing and growing and growing. And it's really no surprise when we look at, you know, this bubble that we're living Mm -hmm. in and the messages that we receive. Okay. That was like a long winded (laughs) ramble. We needed it though. (laughs) The point is that all of this that we just talked about pulls us away from those innate hunger and fullness signals. Mm. Like your body is designed to help you not only survive, but to thrive in life. So your body tells you when you're tired, and that means like we need rest, we need to slow down, or we need to sleep. Your body tells you when you have to go pee. And we don't question that, Mm -hmm. right? We just go to the bathroom. We just go pee. Your body also tells you when you're hungry. And your body tells you when you're full and it lets you know that so that you can live a healthy life. When we go pee or when we have to go pee, we we don't start questioning everything, right? Mm -hmm. We're not like, oh my God, shoot, I'm intermittent peeing right now. So I actually have to hold my pee until 11 and then I'm not going until six. Like we don't have all these crazy rules around it. Mm -hmm. We just go. But with food, we've made it into this super complicated thing. So everybody can learn to eat intuitively again. Your body is built to do that way. But we do sometimes need a few guidelines to help us rebuild and reestablish the communication again Mm. between those signals and our brain because we've been ignoring our body for a really long time. So we've got to have some like things in place to kind of support us in getting back to that place again where we can trust our body and where it trusts us again might be more importantly. All of those things were so huge and I'm so glad we went down that journey. But yeah, you're right. And I feel like it's also relating to a lot nowadays. We're doing this idea of numbing constantly, whether that's scrolling on social media or if you go on public, we didn't do that so much last year and you're in an awkward situation, you would just get on your phone to block that out. Or even when you're eating and you're still trying to do your work at the same time or tend to other things, so you're not actually focusing on what you're doing or constantly trying to keep up or we're always rewarded for the idea of being able to multitask or do a million things in one time. But I think when that happens, it's all just kind of numb or it's just half-ass, if you if you will, yes. because we're not fully present in what we're doing, which can lead to all these issues. And 
I can see where it kind of took a turn. So I'm so happy that you're doing that work. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) What has your relationship been like with your body? You mentioned that you don't weigh yourself anymore. Was that just Mm -hmm. a, doesn't feel right? Or was that actually like a conscious choice that you had to make? That was a conscious choice. Well, I think we have a similar background where I'm a dancer and grew up that life and it was lovely like but my experience around dance like I never had a full-blown like eating disorder or anything luckily but I, I was always around it or I was aware of it for example so even growing up at a young age I remember there was a class where we tend to get heavier in the summer just naturally because we were like adolescents so it's normal yeah and because we have would have breaks from dance and we would come back and then our teacher would make us one of these classes we had to do the whole class in bikinis the entire technique class in bikinis to make sure that we weren't sticking our stomach out and to be more aware of our bodies we were literally basically dancing naked because that was and that seemed totally normal at the time but but looking back on that it's a horrible thing to do to children, especially, but women in general or another time are <laughs> every time we would win Critics Choice, we would go to dance competitions and Critics Choice, you got to win this big thing of popcorn. Mm. It was like candy corn, cheese, regular popcorn. It was massive. And we would snack on it during rehearsals. And I remember one of the days our teacher decided we've been gaining too much weight and we couldn't be snacking anymore. So he like ripped it out of our hands and threw it in the dumpster behind the studio. Mm. So things like that just kind of stick in your subconscious. Like, oh, I am being punished or for the way I look or for not looking a certain weight or for not. And you would do the thing normally with your friends. You stand in the mirror and you'd like pull your skin back and be like, oh, I just want this to stay like this. And we're like, 15, you know? But it's crazy so, you said we did that normal thing where we would pull mm-hmm. our skin back and say, mm-hmm. that is normal, but it's not normal. Like, Yeah, it's not. It, but that's like what not, you were used to. Yes. But like, yeah. wh- how did we get to this point where little 15-year-olds are, and that's the exact age where, you know, all of this sort of came to a head for me as well. That's so Mm -hmm. young now that you're an adult. Like, doesn't that seem like you're a baby when you're 15 years old? It does. But you're so so aware of these things. (laughs) It's wild. So Mm -hmm. another thing you said that's interesting is I never had like a full-blown eating disorder. And Mm -hmm. in some ways, I feel like almost when you have an eating disorder that's being diagnosed, you tend to get way more help. And there's Mm. like a treatment plan and a protocol in place to support people who have eating disorders. It's not nearly where it needs to be. And I know in the U S it's, it's not nearly where it needs to be even compared to what we receive in Canada, but Mm. there is a treatment protocol. But what we know now is that 65% of women struggle with disordered eating. So it's not an eating Mm -hmm. disorder, but it's not normal or healthy. And yet there's no support for those women. So 65% of women plus another 10% have eating disorders. That's 75% of women that have an unhealthy disordered relationship with food. And you better believe that's tied to their body. So Uh when we think about how much brain space that is taking up, when we think about where women are then investing their hard-earned dollars Mm. like back into Botox and makeup and clothing. And I'm a woman, like I wear makeup most days. I like Mm -hmm. to get a new outfit. There's room and space for all of that. But collectively as a whole, this is impacting us. This Mm -hmm. is impacting females in a big way. And most importantly, it's impacting our health and our happiness. It's major. Yeah. And I think I agree with that. Like if it's not fully diagnosed, you think I'm okay. Like I didn't drop a hundred pounds in college like that. I'm fine. I didn't have to go to the hospital and it's not even always food. It can be also exercise related. And I think that was one of my major things was like, okay, I had pizza last night. I must continue to exercise more. I would be dancing for eight hours and have to feel like I would need to go to the gym after that, which is just crazy to think about. And it's so sad. 
And then you asked me earlier, when did I realize like, oh, I shouldn't be weighing myself just because I realized from doing listening to podcasts, from getting the right people in my circle and just getting a better grip on my life, I realized like this is taking up too much of my time. I can't live like this anymore. I can't continue on like this. So I started seeking out resources. But yeah, it wasn't until I realized that it was somewhat of an issue that it was like the only thing that I was focusing on that I started making those shifts. So like I said, yes, I don't weigh myself. And I wish we didn't have to go to the doctor and have them do it for you while you're wearing shoes and all the clothes. But I digress. Um, But yeah, so it's just been a conscious shift. But I don't think – I mean, I'm not fully ever there yet, but it's something I I choose to work towards every day, I think. And I think that a lot of people who are struggling with disordered eating don't even realize that that's what it is because it's all just tied up in this culture, like where we should be exercising seven days a week. And it's like, it's an interesting time right now, because I think for a long time saying that you counted calories or that you watched this or you tried that diet, it was just sort of accepted. I do think we're shifting into a little bit more of a time now where it's like dieting and putting so much of a focus on that isn't cool anymore, where it's like not a cool conversation to have (laughs) or to be part of. But that being said, there's still so many people then who are struggling with how they look, feeling uncomfortable in their body, feeling like they're not enough, who are unhappy who are then like, okay, so it's not cool to diet, but then what? Now what do I do? I'm unhappy. I don't feel good. And that's where Mm. this intuitive approach to eating and, and health and wellness comes into play. Like there is another solution. There is an option where you're not having to follow such a rigid plan and you're not having to go to the gym and do 30 minutes of cardio. And then this amount of weights or whatever the prescribed flavor of the month is in these things. It's Mm -hmm. about identifying what is going to serve you and your body and your energy levels and your pleasure and your joy in this moment. So there are other options. It's just not talked about as widely yet. We just need more people like you to follow along with and to rewrite that narrative for and women women like you who are openly sharing your story and brave enough to say, I haven't figured it out quite yet. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. improving, but it's always in the back of my mind. Yeah. And it's something I actively have to work on. And here are some books I've mm-hmm. read or some podcasts that I listen to. I would say for anybody listening right now, who's like, Oh my God, they're talking to me. Um, first of all, I'd love to hear from you over on our Instagram page mm-hmm. at Robbie D talk, send me a DM. And I would highly recommend there's this book by Christy Harrison called anti-diet that Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. She's amazing. I think everyone I work with reads that book. And, um, and I think that there are so many podcasts now and so many people like you and Caitlin Bristow who are talking about this Mm -hmm. openly and just sharing. And there's so much power in that as well. And women just Mm -hmm. not knowing they're alone. I agree. I love that. And speaking of sharing, I wanted to kind of, break the ice a little bit with you sharing something with us. So kind of like a show and tell anything that you think would be interesting for people to see what you have or something that has a funny backstory or something that is from your nightstand. Did you bring something? Oh, I've got got something. I don't know if anyone's (laughs) going to find it interesting, but I laughed when you asked this question because I have something that I made when I was 25 years old. I was living in a basement suite apartment I'd just broken up with who is now my husband, but we were going on a little break. I was so anxiety ridden. My food issues were like, I mean, I was just in this place where I would like restrict all day. And then I would just eat everything that I could get my hands on in the evening. I'd feel so much guilt and shame around it. Then the next day it would be like back to business. I'm just eating like quote unquote clean foods and exercising. And I'm like going to get my life under control And then it would repeat. Mm. And so I was at this all time low in this space, single working at a job that was, that was good, but like, it wasn't where I imagined myself being, you know, Mm -hmm. and got a bunch of magazines and they got this poster frame from an art store here. And I made a vision board and Mm. I just allowed myself for a moment to dream about where I wanted to be 
to dream about what I wanted to create in my life. And I have carried this damn vision board around with me for the last 10 years. It is always beside my bed. My husband, we've moved so many times. He's like, are you serious with that thing? (laughs) Is that actually coming with us? Does that actually have to be in our room? So my vision board, I've got it here for you. Oh my God. You went like with the magazine cutouts and everything. Like the full legit vision board. I have on here a whole section that's created around travel, a whole section that is around being a mompreneur, um, doing good, being a mentor, helping women. I have like a cutout of my dream office. I have a whole section that's all about falling in love, creating a family. Um, there's actually a picture of a woman doing yoga and she has a little girl on her back. I don't know if you can see here, there's a man, you can't see his head, but he's like sipping a coffee. He's heading off to work over here. You can see the disordered eating section of my brain, which is a bunch of cutouts of like Mm. bodies that I aspired to have at the time. So this is 10 years ago. I have not started raw Mm. beauty co. As I said, I was single, like not sure where I was going. This thing just gave me that little hit of inspiration that I needed to keep moving forward, to keep working away on things. And there's things about this vision board that I would change now. Like like I would remove that whole section of body parts, but at the same time, that's where I was then. And it's so interesting Mm -hmm. to me that now I'm doing this work where I literally coach women to discover themselves beyond their body. And so now I look at this, there's even like a picture of a woman. She's hosting like a beautiful long table dinner with candlelight and things. I love I'm married. I have a son and a daughter and I swear this woman doing yoga with her daughter. Like we recreate that a few times a week, not intentionally, of course, but like this is what my life has become down to like the office and the bookshelves and the places I've traveled. And it blows my mind because it obviously hasn't been a linear process, but here I am 10 years later, Mm -hmm. a couple of my girlfriends remember me making that and just like rolling their eyes and being like, Oh God, here goes Aaron. And, and they called me, I shared it on social, um, six months ago or something. And they called me and they were like, Oh my God, we're so mad that we didn't make the vision board with you. <laughs> You're literally <laughs> living your dream life. Like you've li- you've brought everything to fruition on that board. And so while it feels maybe a little woo woo, or it's like, I don't understand how that works. I just think that there is so much power in creating a vision for yourself in having an idea of what you want to feel in your life and, you know, what, what things light you up and what colors make you feel resonant with yourself? Like, do you want music in your life? What's the light going to look like? Are you surrounded by plants? Do you have people around you? Are you traveling? Do you want a small cozy home? Do you want like all of these things and including words on it? And it's such a simple thing that you can do, like Mm -hmm. pour yourself a glass of wine clear the calendar one night, get the magazines out, whatever it is, and just start cutting. Don't worry about it being perfect and glue Mm -hmm. that shit down and then keep it somewhere where you can see it every day. And it's not going to unfold perfectly. By no means has this been a linear process. There's been like postpartum Mm -hmm. and anxiety attacks and two miscarriages and that breakup that I went through with my husband and then like a reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And there's been so many steps along the way, but just having that vision to keep you moving forward towards, I think it's more important now than ever before. As we come out of a really crazy couple of years, everyone's feeling quite uncentered around yourself. Now, like the world is our oyster. Everything's opening up again, let yourself dream. And then just remember that you have the capacity to create whatever you want in your life. The only person getting in the way is yourself. I love that so freaking much. And I think it's so inspirational because it gives people the permission to dream bigger than where they're at. And it gives people hope that it's possible. And it doesn't even have to be specific. Like I must have this house and it's worth this much (laughs) on this street. Like it could just be a feeling of like, how do you want your life to feel? How do you like, 
how do you want to wake up in the day? It doesn't have to be so specific. It could just be an energy that you know that you've gotten to depending on who each person is. And I've done the same thing. I believe in the whole manifestation life and I've written lists. And just for the list that I made for my partner that I called yes. in, I say, but um, he's exactly everything on the list. It's insane. I was, I've read it recently. I was like, holy, <laughs> you have this. You have it's like, amazing. I'm amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. But if you really get clear on what you want and like who you are, it can be really incredible what you can create for yourself in your life. So I totally agree with it that. It makes it easier to make choices moving forward because it simply becomes, is this moving me towards what I want or not? And if it's not, then mm-hmm. you know it's probably not the right step to be taking. It makes everything really clear, which is super helpful, especially like, as you said, when life is going to throw you ups and downs, it's not going to be like, I start here and then I end up there and I'm happy. It's going to take a lot of ups and downs and you're going to be challenged to really get the things that you want, but that's what makes it worthwhile. That makes it, gives you the reason to keep going. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) And one thing you said around identifying the feelings that you want to create in your life over the specifics is so important, both in a vision board, but also in regards to health and wellness. Oftentimes we're searching for these metrics, like I want to go down a dress size, or I want to lose this weight, or I want to like run this distance. And sometimes in striving to accomplish or achieve those things, we get there and we're like, why don't I feel any better? Or I feel felt better for a moment, but then I just, you know, all the same feelings came up of, not feeling confident or not feeling enough. And so we can kind of reverse engineer things by identifying the feeling that we're striving for in accomplishing these things. So let's look at at the weight thing. If somebody's listening right now, they're like, I'm not comfortable in this body. I need to lose 10 pounds. Ask yourself why it's important for you to lose the 10 pounds. And something might come up like, then I would feel more confident in myself. Okay. Well, if you were more confident, why is that important? Well, then I would feel like I could start dating. I'd be more comfortable putting myself out there to be in a relationship. Okay. So why is it important for you to be in a relationship? Well, I don't know. I want love in my life. I want connection in my life. So what you are striving for in that scenario isn't a 10 pound weight loss. What you want is love and connection. And that is something that you are worthy of no matter what size you are. And if you don't start working on believing that you are worthy of love and connection right now, today, in the body that you're in, even when you lose 10 pounds, you're going to struggle to feel worthy for that. And if you're somebody who's ever lost the 10 pounds and still felt like there's room to grow, you know what I'm talking about. How would it feel rather than putting this barrier of, I have to lose the weight up, putting this stop guard or the safety guard up, what would it feel like to put yourself out there to nap now to put a picture up mm-hmm. and get your butt on Tinder or Bumble or whatever it is that you're using to reach out to a best friend or somebody that you love for that hit of connection to tell somebody that you love, that you love them, like to look for that love and connection now in this moment today. And in doing that, in actually creating what it is that you're craving, now you start to invite and welcome those things into your life. Your weight will land where it's supposed to. It will land where it's going to. But you've got to start living now. You've got to start stop pushing pause on all these other things. Yeah, because if you're continuing to be like, I'll live when, I will date when, you're never going to ever get there because you're going to lose. I'm not saying you're never going to get there, but you're wasting so much valuable time. You're wasting living essentially in the meantime. So that's so beautiful. On this topic or on what you do, what has been kind of on your heart and your mind lately as far as what you kind of want to share with people? I think I just feel so much for the individuals who are coming out of this pandemic right now, feeling like I just spent the last year in my sweatpants, eating more than I wanted to, not moving my body as much as I feel like I should have. 
And I'm stressed about coming back out into society and like coming out of this. And maybe it's not even about the weight, but just an underlying wave of anxiety or depression. This year has been hard for people. And a lot of people are like putting on the smiley face and, you know, make, pretending that it's all okay. But I think we'll see the ripple effect of this pandemic year for a long time. And I just want people to know that as a health coach, <laughs> I know, and I see that you're struggling. I know, and I see that this has been hard. I know and see that you might be unsure about like how to move forward from this place and that you're not alone. The majority of people I would say are feeling a little unsteady as we come back into some new semblance of whatever normal is. A lot of people are feeling uncomfortable in their body. And like all of a sudden now the spotlight's going to be shone on them. And we're going to see how everyone was doing during the last year. We've put so many expectations on ourselves. Like, oh, I was working from home. So I should have been working out every day or like, I should have been cooking more, whatever it is. No, you just survived a freaking pandemic. This is like a really stressful time full of uncertainty, disconnection, um, so many things that are breeding grounds for disordered eating, anxiety, depression. Mm. If you made it through, you did enough. If you made it through, you're going to be okay. If you made it through, please find that voice of grace and compassion for yourself. And if you need help, ask for it because you're not alone and there's nothing wrong with you. This was insane. (laughs) Insane. It's true. It's a global pandemic. It hasn't happened before for, I don't think any of us. And yeah, I like that you say to reach out because one, We've all gone through it now at this point, some of us in different levels, some of us better than others, but we've all experienced it. So tell your friends, tell people how you're feeling and reach out to people that can help you, that can walk you through it, who can support you because it's no one's expects everyone just to like click their fingers and be able to just jump back into real life. I mean, it's weird even just walking into places without masks on now. Like I've, we've gotten used to the isolation. We might've been comfortable with it. We might've had some habits developed from that and that's okay. Um, so it's definitely hard for everyone. Um, so yeah, I think like you said, reach out, lean on other people and give yourself the time and the grace to get used to it. Cause anytime you're going through a change or a shift, it's not going to happen overnight. You have to really, really take your totally. time. With it. I mean, so. we all know that it, it took time when everything initially happened to get a grip yeah. on what was going on. And it probably took a few months for us to even like feel somewhat steady on our feet. And so we can kind of anticipate the same as things go back to the way that they were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I also love your podcast and I've been listening to a couple of episodes. I was listening to the Caitlin one up earlier and it was amazing. But you, the idea behind it is that you want to go behind the the feed, the real, the personification that people kind of put out on social media and how it's kind of contrived in a way. And you interview really influential people. So I'm wondering like all of these people that you've interviewed, have you noticed a theme with them or something that people kind of all go through or something that you've noticed just from those interviews that you've had? Oh my goodness. There are so many more similarities between us than differences between us. And I think it's so easy to feel really alone in what you're going through. And like, you're the only one who can't figure this body image thing out, or you're the only one who can't figure out how to run your business, or you're the only one who's doesn't have their shit together as a mom who can't make like the perfect little lunches, whatever it is. We just feel like we suck at a lot of things. And so as somebody who has the ability to have these conversations with either experts in their area or oftentimes like the women that we obsess over and feel like are perfect, I get Mm -hmm. to go behind the highlight reel and to understand that even the professionals, even the most beautiful women, stereotypically beautiful women, or um, the, the people at the top of their game, that they are filled with just as much insecurity or just as they're having just as many hard moments in their day as any of us. I think something I learned in this raw beauty journey very early on, the 
the whole company started as a blog and I interviewed over 200 women. We photographed them without makeup, Photoshop, or filters. And we just had really real, honest conversations about their relationship with their body and self-confidence and self-love and all of these things. And I think the thing that shocked me at the time was that a lot of the women that I interviewed that were the most stereotypically beautiful, the ones that you would be like, she's got it. Like she's got the body, the skin, Mm -hmm. the makeup, her style's Mm -hmm. perfection. This is the woman she's probably because of this. This is the story that we're told by media making millions of dollars, like having all the best relationships. Everything is given to her. Her life is Mm -hmm. easy. It was actually almost always those women who seemed the most insecure about their appearance, their body that were struggling the most with anxiety. And so I thought a lot about, you know, why is this? This is not what we're sold by the beauty industry and the diet industry. Like we are sold that Mm -hmm. looking like that is the solution to everything. So why are these women struggling with this? And oftentimes it was those same women who from a very young age had been valued for their appearance. They were the dancers, the actors, the models, Mm -hmm. the girls who were told that they were cute and beautiful, the girls who received jobs because of the way that they looked over their talents, Mm -hmm. over their skills, Mm -hmm. over their unique gifts. And so over time, they learned that their greatest value was the way that they look. And as we know, like we can Mm -hmm. never look perfect enough in this world. And so the anxiety started to stem or as they were getting older, like over the age of 20, (laughs) the pressure started to come on of like, don't lose your beauty. Don't lose the way that you look. This is your greatest gift. This is where all your value lies. Mm -hmm. When you lose that, the comments are going to go away. Nobody's going to be interested in you anymore. And so I think what I understood from that is the importance of all of us as women identifying what brings us strength, what helps us lean into our purpose beyond the way that we look, because those are things that can never be taken from us. Those are things we can continue to build on things that we can offer the world that bring far more value than just looking pretty, you know, your ability Mm. to have these conversations, to open the floor to guests, to share vulnerably, to make people laugh and bring people joy in their day. That is a really beautiful gift that you can continue to work on, improve on. You know, you can have a podcast and maybe that changes to YouTube videos later or to writing at some point in your career. It can evolve and shift and change your appearance. Obviously you're a beautiful woman and that will bring about opportunities for you. It already has. But if Mm -hmm. it's the one thing that you have to offer the world, you're constantly going to be fighting a losing battle because all the messages we Mm -hmm. receive are that we lose value as we age, as we get older. Yeah. I think, you know, I've I've learned a lot in this process. doesn't make it. Yeah. That's (laughs) so interesting because you do look at those women and you're like, oh, she just has it. She, it came easy to her. I could never have that. I could never achieve that or that's so far-fetched, or if I were to get to that place, then I would be rewarded. And a lot of times people are rewarded for those things. And there is so much value put on that because of the way society is. But I think I I just go back to always like, how do you want people to feel when you're in the room with them? They're not going to remember like you wore that really cute shirt or that your hair looked perfect. Like I mean, maybe someone will, but like they're not going to remember you by your really pretty Instagram photo. They're going to remember how you made them feel or how you were with them in the room. So I think just try to shift your energy to that because I think everyone has something to offer or something that makes them valuable way beyond what they look like. I love that. um, You keep mentioning the idea of of purpose and kind of finding that. How do you recommend people go about finding their purpose? Because I think that question can be very daunting to people and something that we don't always find easily. How do you recommend that for people? Finding your purpose <laughs> and this whole concept can put so much pressure on us. And like anything, we feel like there's just maybe this one place that will land where we'll just be really clear on our purpose and everything will unfold from there. And there are people where that is their experience. I feel really connected to my purpose, but I also work with a lot of women who don't feel connected to their purpose yet. And 
for some people, I don't know if you ever come to a point where you're like, this is it. This is the Holy grail. And does that mean that you don't get to have a beautiful life where you feel connected and aligned? Absolutely not. Purpose can mean a wide variety of different things. What I believe is that we feel our most well, we feel our most vibrant when we know who we are and when we are honoring that. So when we can acknowledge gifts that we have or skills that come more easily to us than they would to others, when we can identify what forms of movement light us up, when we can identify what type of humans light us up, when we know how much time we need alone in a week versus socializing with others, like all of these pieces that we can explore within us. And then we lean into that. I think it brings us into a place of alignment and it helps us feel energized and therefore well, therefore good in our life. Purpose to me extends far beyond like having this mission or something that you're working on. It's more a way of being, being in alignment with yourself, honoring yourself, knowing what you need and asking for that. For me, my work happens to fuel me. I love it. It is an extension of who I am and my story. And I'm lucky to have that. But for someone else, Mm -hmm. what could feel really good for them that could help them feel more relaxed and aligned, it might be a game of tennis. It could be hosting a family dinner and making a beautiful tablescape. It could be sitting and arranging some florals. It could be um, going into a courtroom and fighting for what you believe in. The beauty of us is that different things are going to light each and every one of us up. Different things are going to make us feel safe and at home and comfortable. And so the more that you can lean into that as an individual, the more as an individual you light up and collectively help light up the world. So whether you want to be a stay-at-home mom or a stay or a, a working mom, or you never want to have kids at all, or you want to be a podcaster, or you want to go on the reality TV show, or you want to fight injustices in the world. What we need is women who know them fucking selves and who aren't afraid to step into that. Yeah, that's huge. It's like, if you don't know, just start with the baby steps, start with leaning into what you like. And I think there's so much pressure on purpose. It's like, it has to be my career and then I have to make a million dollars from it. (laughs) And then I have to have my own business. And then, so yeah, it can be really daunting. And then you're like, well, I don't even have a purpose or I don't even like anything. I think it's getting taking it back and it can be super simple. And then you'll, I feel like with that, it will kind of unfold. Totally. And when I look at my own journey, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew that I loved connecting with humans. I had this idea based on the journey I'd been on where I would look at magazines and I was like, everything's so edited, but I also feel like it's real. And I would just love a space online where there was beautiful photos of women, but like no touch-ups and where they were just talking about all these things that I'm struggling with. And so even that idea felt daunting. And I I was working with a life coach myself at the time. And she was like, just write your bio for me, Erin. Just write your bio, just write your story out. So I started there and then she was like, okay, what's the next step? And I was like, kind of want to like do a photo shoot. She's like, okay do a photo shoot. And then we did a photo shoot. And then I was like, the next step is to have a website where I can post these. So started Googling like WordPress and how do you build a website? And and then the ball continued to roll from there. Less on the ending, more on just the baby steps. Baby step, baby step, baby step. Yep. There, and look at you now. That's amazing. Um, last question I have on this is you have this raw beauty reset. And they're based on these four pillars. So kind of walk me through the pillars and how you work with your clients in order to get this idea of like raw beauty and a healthy lifestyle. So the raw beauty reset is my 12 week online non-diet coaching program. And as you mentioned, it's based on four key pillars. So we cover nourishment, movement, mindset, and self-love. Um, nourishment is all about learning to eat intuitively. We go through something called the golden guidelines, which helps reconnect you to those hunger and fullness signals. Mm. Movement is all about redefining your relationship with exercise and what that looks like for your body mindset. I think is the most important part of the whole program. 
because Mm -hmm. until we can identify the limiting beliefs that are holding you back, the ways that you self-sabotage, the fears that you have, all of that stuff, uh, it's really hard to implement all of the other things in a sustainable way. And then self-love is all about knowing yourself. As we talked about knowing what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And we go into this in a lot of like from big pieces of life to little things, like how many coffees a day works for your body? Mm. Yeah, that's huge. How much alcohol (laughs) works for you before you start to feel like an anxious mess? Okay. Mm -hmm. What if this isn't for life, but what if we just right now honor that? What if we show up for your body to support it right now with that? Mm. Um, And so it's a combination of online learning modules. We do a weekly group coaching call. That's super fun. It's not like some dry, boring thing. We've got like Justin Bieber and dance parties and crying and the biggest, best girl squad cheering everybody on. Um, So we have a ton of fun with that. And as I said, it's over the course of 12 weeks and it's all designed to help you Feel your best in your body. Every woman needs that. It sounds incredible. And just like building that community. You've got it. Come to yeah. Caitlin, we're doing a, a course right now, a reset right now with um, Caitlin Bristow. So this is your official invite. You got to come oh to some God, yeah. of the group sessions with us. And we have so much fun. Caitlin's mom's doing it. Her sister's doing it. We've got like. It's so fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, you have to give me those, that info because I'll show up. I will that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to ask you my final questions, and that, that's all she wrote. First question, if you could share a meal with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, my goodness. I ask this to people all the time, and now I'm going to completely blank. It's like a lot of pressure. Oh, <laughs> so much pressure. Honestly, this is not what I would anticipate to come up, but one of my very best friends, lives away and I haven't seen her in a year and a half because of the pandemic and she's always traveling and I just love her so much. And so my friend Penny, I would probably have dinner with her. I love her name. Mm. That's awesome. She's amazing. She's like nothing better than a boss. Yeah. Nothing better than a BFF dinner. You can't beat it. Um, Last time you overshared and wish you could maybe take it back. (laughs) Literally every day of my life is an overshare, I would say, but There's nothing that I would really take back. It's just kind of who I am at this point. I've accepted it. Sometimes I feel bad for my husband because I just like put my shit all over the internet. I know. And he's so private and it's like the complete opposite. But I don't know. I don't really regret it anymore. I connect more to oversharing than anything. So (laughs) I agree with you. Share what you'd want to be remembered by. I would just simply want to be remembered by helping women feel better in their body. If I can continue to do that and have women just understand how gorgeous and powerful and important and worthy that they are, that's it. Mm, Makes my heart fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last question. Uh, share one last piece of advice that you could leave my audience with. Make time for yourself, like make time to get to know yourself. I think you mentioned at some point, we're getting so good at numbing and just scrolling and focusing so much on others. And if you can even carve out 10 minutes a day to just meditate or read or journal or do something that helps you stay in touch and stay connected to yourself amidst all the noise out there, that it's one of the most beautiful gifts that you can give yourself. And it will serve you every minute that you spend doing that will serve you for your entire life. Mm. We don't, especially as women, I think we lean into everyone else first, putting the oxygen mask on last instead of first. So I have four most common ways that women self-sabotage. And that is the number one. Mm. Something else is always more important than us. And now it's so simple to distract, like to have the wine, to have the social media, to have this, that, to like always be stimulated. And I just worry that we're getting further and further from ourselves every time we do that. I scroll too. I do all those things, but I also meditate. I also lie on my spunk, which if you don't know what what a spunk is, it's amazing. What is it? What this is a spook. This is the other thing that's beside my nightstand. Oh. It's this acupressure mat. Oh, I need that. Mm-hmm. It has can you see 
yeah. these little spikes, like 6,000 something spikes on it. And it helps your body release endorphins. Mm-hmm. And I find like, you know, when you're in that space where you're just overthinking everything and you're buzzing after the work day, mm-hmm. it helps bring you down into your body mm-hmm. to ground you. So you just lie, I lie on it for 10 minutes before I fall asleep while I'm reading my book. And it's just like such a nice treat, kind of painful, but like also yeah. good. Sometimes beauty's pain, right? <laughs> <laughs> Beauty shouldn't be pain, yeah. but health uncomfortable. Thank you so much for being here, Erin. Before you go, can you just share Instagram, social media, websites, programs, all of that stuff? We're over on Instagram at raw beauty talks with an S and then our website, rawbeauty.co has everything raw beauty co on it there. So those are probably the two easiest spots to find. Amazing. And then your podcast is also incredible. So go check her out. Thank you. Thank you so so much. much. This was amazing. You're an incredible host. Thank you. Keep asking the questions. Keep creating the space. You're really good at what you do. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. Send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday.